0: Well, Dan said just a little bit ago that we're starting a new series this week, that we're going to be taking us all the way through Advent. We're, we're going to be looking at Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, let me set that up a little bit for you. Uh, one day, Jesus, when he was here on earth, was teaching in the temple, and, uh, and he was t- teaching a lot of stuff, and some of it started to get a little bit confusing. A few of the people there were really trying to figure out how it made sense, some of what Jesus was saying, and one of them finally stood up and asked Jesus a question, and this is what they asked. They said, you aren't even 50 years old, how can you say that you've seen Abraham? Now let me unpack that a little bit for you, why that was a question. See, Abraham was the founder of the Jewish religion that lived 2,000 years before Bethlehem, before Jesus was born. And yet, Jesus had been talking and teaching as if he knew Abraham. And so they're going, Well, wait a minute. You're not old enough to know Abraham. You'd be thousands of years old. It's kind of like if you went and saw the latest Harry Potter movie. It's like, Wait, McGonagall should be eight, and how come she's old? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was kind of the question. They're like trying to figure this out. And so look at what Jesus said. Look what his answer was. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Now, there's two problems with what Jesus said. The first is, if he thinks that somehow he's over 2,000 years old, he's crazy. But, but also, he's using poor grammar, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, shouldn't he have said before Abraham was, even was born, I was? So, so what's going on here? Well, first of all, what Jesus is saying is, that indeed he was around before Abraham. And then when he says, I am, do you remember the story of Moses and the burning bush? And and Moses says to the burning bush, God is speaking to him through that burning bush, and, and Moses says to God, hey, when I go to the children of Israel and I tell them that you sent me, what name should I give him? What's your name? And do you remember what God said? God said his name was, I am. And so Jesus is literally in this moment not only claiming that he's been around for thousands of years, he's literally claiming to be God. And by the way, they understood that. That's why they picked up some stones to throw at him. Because literally what, what he was doing is he was claiming that he was God. Now, John's gospel makes the same claim about Jesus. It begins with these words. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. John makes the claim that Jesus has been around long before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. In fact, he's been around before time itself was even created. Pretty amazing, And so over these next weeks, we're going to be looking at what was Jesus doing? If that's true, that Jesus has been around during the whole time of the Old Testament, what was Jesus doing before he was born as a baby at Bethlehem? What was he up to? We're going to look at that. What we're going to find is there are a number of times that Jesus appears in the biblical story. It's just not as obvious as you might have thought. In fact, I think you might be surprised at some of the times that Jesus appears in some Bible stories that you might know and be familiar with. So we're going to be looking at that together, and let's kick that off by going back to John's gospel, because again, John makes this claim about Jesus that he was around at the very beginning at creation. Now, here's my question for you. Why didn't John say, in the beginning, Jesus already existed, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Why didn't didn't he just say Jesus' name if that was what he was claiming? Well, you see, in Jesus' day, the Greek philosophers that had a huge impact on people's lives um, had this concept that they called the Word. And they taught that there was this thing called the Word that was kind of the logical principle that held all of creation together. It was the the principle that kind of was underlying all of life and all of existence. And in fact, uh, it's where we get our word logic from. The the Greek word for word is where we get our word logic from. Now, the Jewish religious leaders of the day said that the, the Greek philosophers were close to being right, but they said, no, this word wasn't some kind of generic principle. It was literally from God. In other words, they said that it was God's word that was the underlying principle under all creation, that was the power that held everything together. So, so when John says, in the beginning was the word, and he calls Jesus the word, John is saying, no, you're both wrong. The Greek philosophers that thought there was this kind of just, uh, you know, uh, a personal uh, force that held the universe together, and the Jewish leaders that said it was actually God's word that held the universe together, J- John said, no, that word is a person. And that person is Jesus. And then he goes even further, he says this, he says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. So in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, when it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, John is saying that was Jesus doing that. It literally, says there, God said, let there be light, and there was light. When God creates the universe, he does it simply by speaking. He doesn't pull out a magic wand or, or kind of wave his hands or in the air or anything. He just simply speaks. God simply says, let there be light, and there's light. Uh, God simply says, let the earth bring forth all kinds of plants and animals, and they do. See, God created through his word, and John tells us that that word was Jesus. Jesus is the power that was at work in the moment of creation, and there's even more. When we study that in Genesis, it says this. We see a little conversation between God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit when they say, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that when they first created Adam and Eve, uh, that's not a real picture, by the way. does that mean when they first created Adam and Eve that Adam and Eve looked like God? No, of course not. But, but what it is saying, when, when God says, let's create human beings in our image, what it's saying is that we were created with the capacity for love. You see, God is love, the Bible teaches us. And that means when he creates human beings, he gave us the capacity to love, which means he gave us the capacity to be in relationship with God and with one another. And that makes us unique in all of God's creation. But to love, you have to be able to make a choice, don't you? Because love can never be forced or coerced. And so God gave those first two human beings that he created a choice. They could choose to love him or they could choose their own path, and that's what they chose. The Bible tells us that, that they decided that rather than loving God, they wanted to love themselves, at least first, most of all that rather than following God's plan for their life, they wanted to decide on their own plan for their life and do it their way instead of God's way, and as a result, sin and brokenness and death became a part of God's creation. Now, it's, there's kind of something interesting. Right after they made that decision, right after the first sin that happened, we're, we're told that God comes for a walk with them. It says, then they heard the sound of God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And by the way, the, the tense of the verb here lets us know that this was a, an everyday thing. This was a regular thing. So picture that. Every day, God would come for a walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, in this garden of Eden that he had created, and on this particular day, because of their sin, what do they do? They're shamed and they hide. Now interestingly enough, the literal translation of that first phrase there they heard the sound of god literally we should have translated they heard the voice of god walking in the garden now i don't know about you but i always thought that meant that god was just kind of calling out to them but but the theologians tell us that what it, what it is here is the same kind of word that john uses in john 1 in other words What we're told is this was Jesus that was coming to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. It was Jesus that was spending time with Adam and Eve. This is also not an actual picture, by the way. I, I'm relatively certain Jesus didn't look like he was going to thousands of years later, right, after he was born at Bethlehem. But, but in some way beyond our understanding, we don't know what he looked like. We don't know if he had a physical body or whether he was just a, a presence with them. But, but what the Bible says is very literally, not only was Jesus there in the moment of creation, not only was Jesus the word, the power through which God created the universe, but Jesus was the way in which Adam and Eve connected with God there in the garden He was the way they experienced the love and the joy and the hope and the peace of God there in the garden. But now that's been broken, hasn't it? Because of their sin, they had to leave the garden. Because of their sin, their relationship with God was broken. They didn't have that daily walk with Jesus anymore, at least not in the same way. That's why Jesus had to come and be born as a baby in Bethlehem. Because you see, God could have said, okay, you guys messed this up, you're on your own now, but he didn't. He promised them that one day he was going to come. And, and John tells us, so that word, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and that's why Christmas is such a big deal, because it's Jesus saying, I'm not going to abandon you, I'm coming back. And by the way, in Advent, we celebrate that Jesus is going to come again. In the book of Revelation, we're told that that, uh, Jesus is going to come again, and there's this verse that says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Look, someday you and I are going to get to see Jesus face to face in heaven. Think about that. You know, have you heard the song I Can Only Imagine, kind of thinking about what heaven's going to be like? One one of the lines in one of those verses talks about, I can only imagine what it's going to be like when I see Jesus face to face. When I have a chance to to, to see the nail marks in his hands on my own, and when I have a chance to, to give him a hug, someday you and I will see Jesus. But here's the question Do we have to wait until he comes again? Or can we experience the presence of Jesus in our lives right here and right now? There's this amazing verse in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, where the, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us that God has promised us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In other words, God's promise to you and to me is, first of all, that God will not give up on us. Have you found yourself in this situation where you've prayed to God and you've said, look, God, I know that this thing in my life is broken. It's wrong, and I'm going to fix it. I'm, I'm going to do better. I'm, I'm not going to commit that sin anymore, or I'm not going to uh, abandon this opportunity to do good anymore. I'm, I'm going to get involved. I'm going I'm to do something. I'm going to do it right this time. And then you're only back a month later saying, man, God, I, I messed it up. I, I didn't. I, I, I sinned again, and I promised I wouldn't. Or I, I said I was going to do this, and, and I didn't do it. You would would think, that's happened to me so many times, I would think that God would finally say, all right, Mark, you know what? I'm sick and tired of your promises. You're on your own. But God promises us he won't. Never will I leave you. I will never give up on you, God says. What's more, God says, never will I forsake you. Never will I abandon you. I'm not gonna leave you alone. And so the fact is, even though we can't see him, that's gonna come in the future. Jesus is with us now. Every day. And so if Jesus is the word, the voice of God through whom the universe was created, if he was the voice of God that Adam and Eve spoke with in the garden, can you hear the voice of God today? And the answer to that is yes. Jesus wants to speak to you. He wants to be an influence in your life. And every time you open up the Bible and read it, you're hearing the voice of God through his word. That's Jesus speaking to you. Every time you get down on your knees to pray and, and, and you speak to God and then you just are quiet and listen, God speaks to us in those moments. It may not be an audible voice, but we can hear Him as He guides and directs our thoughts and our lives. Every time we come here and we gather together and we receive his body and blood through the Lord's Supper, or we see someone get that gift like we did in the earlier service today through the waters of baptism, that's the voice of God speaking into our lives in a powerful way. So here's my challenge for you this Christmas season, because Christmas can be pretty noisy, right? I don't mean just like the, you know, Christmas carols that Play constantly wherever you go. Why is it seems like every store I was in this week was playing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? I'm not sure. Christmas can not only be noisy, just physically noisy, but, but there's so much stuff going on, right? There's the there's the shopping to do and the parties to go to and, and the decorating to do in the houses. It just seems like there's so much on our plate at Christmas time. The challenge is for us to hear God's voice in the midst of all that noise. So here's my challenge. To you, Between now and Christmas, these next 25 days, yes, it's only 25 days, what are you going to do to hear God's voice this year? Let me give you a few suggestions. How about you say, you know what, no matter what else is going on in my life, I'm going to make sure I'm in church every week this Advent season. I'm going to come every week and hear about these appearances of Jesus in the the Old Testament and what what that has to do with my life. I'm just going to make sure at least once a week I have time to be with Jesus and other believers. Or maybe for you, it's I'm going to do some daily devotions this year for Advent. I'm going to find an Advent devotional book. Or, or maybe I'll just pull out the Bible and read through the, the Christmas stories in Matthew and in Luke and, and just read about what Jesus did when he came. Spend some time every day with him. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's that, that when you pray this Advent season, you're not going to just speak, but you're going to listen. You're going to spend some quiet time just listening for God's voice in your life. Whatever it is, that's my challenge to you. You have a God that loves you dearly. Just like Jesus came every day to be with Adam and Eve in the garden all those years ago, he comes every day to be with you and with me to bring us hope and joy and peace, no matter what's going on in our lives. So listen to his voice. Experience his presence in your life. Let's bow our heads and let's pray about that right now. Uh, Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning, and first of all, Lord, we are in awe of the fact that you are the power that created this universe, that that your Father spoke, and you are the word that created all. And Lord, we're amazed to think about and hear about what that would have been like for Adam and Eve to just spend a little time walking and talking with you every day. Lord, I look forward to that day when I'm going to get a chance to do that with you in heaven. But Lord, I need your presence right now in my life, and I know I speak for everybody in this room when I say that. We need your presence. Getting through this life is a struggle. But knowing you are our Lord and Savior and you are with us, and that we can hear your voice, speaking of love and joy and hope and peace and grace, Lord, I need to hear that voice, especially this time of year. So Lord, speak to us. Speak to us through the power of your word. Let us spend quiet time with you, knowing that you are our God. And Lord, I pray this morning that you'd also hear us as together we pray the prayer that you taught us, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name.